Good morning, everybody. Welcome to brothers and sisters and friends gathered here in the sanctuary. Welcome to friends uh, gathering online virtually, whether right now live or maybe a little bit later today. It's good to see all of you. I'm so glad that we can uh, worship together this morning. I want to highlight from the bulletin um, a couple of announcements. Asylum, our sixth through eighth grade middle school youth group, is meeting later today at 5, and the gathering, our high school ministry, is meeting next Sunday again, also at 5 o'clock. For both of those, uh, we're asked to register our students if you're attending. Also, Sunday school, children's church, and catechism are all happening today, and again, we're asked to register for these ministries. Children's church children will be dismissed in the course of the worship service as we move forward. Also, our men's prayer group that meets every week is going back to their usual time for meeting, Wednesdays at 7 a.m. here at church. And that's going to start this week again, this Wednesday. And men, you're invited to join them as always, 7 a.m. here at church. Steve David has uh, an update from the deacons for us this morning, so I'll have him come up right now. morning. Um, the deacons met this past Monday and decided that any checks not earmarked or uh, cash received in the giving boxes for the month of April will be going to the carrying network. And for the month of May, any money collected uh, will be going to Elam. Also, we know that our congregation has a heart to give to other organizations, even in these times, and we thank you for your generosity. Unfortunately, we are unable to hold weekly offerings for these organizations, but we want you to know that you still can. Simply make your check out to Faith CRC, and in the memo, write the organization that you would like to support. We know many of these organizations have been negatively affected by COVID as well. And even though we can't pass the baskets around, we can still support them. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Uh, if you're able, would you please stand as we enter into worship with God's greeting? Brothers and sisters, we have this strong hope and profession that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Receive his greeting. Grace and peace to you through our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. As we stand, we're going to sing a couple of hymns of praise as we begin worship.
be seated. When, when we come in faith to worship our Lord together, he does promise to strengthen us, uh, to revive us, and we need that revival so much day by day living in this world. Right now, we're going to spend a little time in confessing our sins as we're seated, being assured of our salvation in Jesus, and also committing to live a life of grace. Just stay seated, but please sing along this prayer. the Lord is by obeying his will for us. This morning we're going to pay attention together to 
what the Lord's will is through how Jesus summarizes the law. And we'll do this through a responsive reading. All begin, you follow as the words on the screen indicate. What is the great and first commandment? And what is the second commandment like it? What does this mean? And to what does this call us? Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer now. Father, we are grateful to you for the grace that you give us, for the faith that you work in us. And Lord, we pray that you enable us to glorify your name. Lord, we pray that you deepen our love for you, enable us to worship you more and more truly and to serve you in greater and greater ways. And Lord, we pray too that you increase our love for those around us. Help us to serve others sacrificially, to give of ourselves for the good of those around us. Father, we, we pray this for us who have gathered here and for your whole church around the world, this family that you have gathered out of all the nations and the peoples to be, to be a kingdom of priests serving you. We ask that you grant to all your church true humility, real unity, deep wisdom, and enable us to hold on to the truth that we find in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for all of those who serve in different ways. We ask that you give them energy and joy in what they do. Give them even delight in those whom they serve. Grant that all of us may encourage and guide each other in following you. We pray too for our nation and especially for our leaders for our president, for our Congress, for our courts. Father, we pray that you give them all the humility that they need to serve well and the ability to see what is best and to follow, to follow your will in often difficult circumstances. And Father, we pray for the leaders of all the nations of the earth that they might know that you have called them to serve their people. And Lord, we pray that you bring good to all the peoples of the earth. Father, we pray for our community, for our church community, and for those around us. We think especially of those who are discouraged, those who are suffering, those who are troubled. Provide health and strength for those who are suffering from sickness or, or from different types of weakness. Encourage those who are, who are suffering from memory loss and also those who care for them. Grant perseverance to all those who are experiencing the effects of this pandemic, whether it, be, whether it be in health or in finances, in the ability to face each day, in relationships, in whatever way we are struggling. Lord, help each one of us. We ask especially that you sustain Don Osman as he continues to battle the after effects of COVID. Grant him rest and healing as he recovers. Grant peace to Betty Joe and to all of Al Rispin's family as they mourn his passing. Enable them to grieve and also renew their hope in you. Father, we bring all these requests to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who even now always intercedes for us. Amen. 
Jim Engel is going to come up now. He's going to give us a brief faith promise missionary report and offer a prayer on behalf of one of our missionaries. After Jim's update, children are dismissed for Children's Church and we'll continue with another song of praise. Morning. The missionaries we're spotlighting this month for prayer are Jim and Ruth Padilla Divorce, who work with Resonate in Central America. I'll share a bit of their mission statement, which they have online. It says, during our years of service in Latin America, we have become increasingly aware of rampant violence, injustice, poverty, corruption, family breakdown, ecological degradation, and hopelessness. We believe, however, that even in the midst of it all, there is good news for Latin America. We are convinced that God has not abandoned these beautiful lands he created or the wonderfully diverse people that inhabit them. God yearns to work through the integral witness of the church far beyond the walls of its buildings, in personal lives and communities, homes and streets, markets and businesses, universities and rural villages, rivers and mountaintops. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we ask for your support and mercy for Jim and Ruth as they serve you in Costa Rica. Give them a spirit of optimism in the midst of their difficult service to you and the people they work with. Please bless their various missions, Casa Adobe, the cohort of missioners, the Center for Interdisciplinary Theology, and the International Fellowship for Mission as Transformation. We thank you for them and their associates as they share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor Matthew said, uh, we're going to sing, let us stand to do that, and as we do, the children's church kids will be dismissed for children's church. This song, we're going to sing it to prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls uh, to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let's stand.
that prayer on our lips and Lord willing also in our hearts, we're going to go to God's word this morning. Our reading is from Acts 20 verses 13 through 27. Let's listen to God's holy and infallible word beginning at Acts 20 verse 13. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot, and when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day, arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews." You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, 
for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And that's where we're stopping this Sunday morning. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, at the beginning of our passage, we read about Paul sailing from place to place with his companions. And this is Paul, the great theologian who wrote half the books of the New Testament and who was the greatest missionary of all time. And the sailing is on the Mediterranean Sea, which is especially how Paul got around on his missionary journeys. I wanted to show you a map of these missionary journeys a moment. Could you go back to the map? Let's see if I can find the thing. There we go. So you see here, those are... It's, it's kind of a lot of lines because it has on this map all of the missionary journeys, one, two, and three, and then Paul's journey to Rome in purple. But he's at the end of his third missionary journey here. You re recognize some of these names huh? that we just read. Certainly Philippi, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, Corinth, all churches he wrote letters to and planted. And then we read about going from Assos to Mytilene to Samos and then to Miletus. So he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, but he's going to Miletus 30 miles south and asking the elders to meet him there because if he went to Ephesus, he'd be spending too much time in Asia Minor, Turkey today, because he, he doesn't want to do that because he wants to get to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. So that's why he wants to meet with the Ephesian elders, but it's 30 miles south in Miletus. The next slide is, you could just put that up too. That's a little cleaner one with not all the missionary journeys, but I wanted you to see all the traveling he did. This is the one, he's near the end of his third missionary journey meeting with these Ephesian elders. Paul was especially close to this church um, he pastored there almost three years, and, and that's not what he typically did as a church planner. He would go to a city, he would preach, most often starting in the synagogue. Uh, people would believe, a small church would form, and then he'd move on to preach and start a church in another city. And, and like any pastor, Paul got very close to his congregation. He wrote a letter to the Ephesians that gives us some extra insight into the church and his relationship with it. And Acts 19 does that too, where we read about Paul arriving in Ephesus for the first time and how people responded to the gospel there, but also how there was a great riot against Christianity in Ephesus. And it was started by the people who made their living crafting idols. Their business went downhill quick when people learned that idols are not true gods. When, and when Paul told them there is only one true God. So these people started riots trying to drive out Christianity. So if you think about that, Paul and the church there had been through quite a bit. So and I'm sure that brought them even closer together, that, that persecution that had happened while he was there against the young church. 
This is a farewell of Paul to the uh, Ephesian elders. That's the heading in the NIV Bible before this section. Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And this, this farewell is instructive to us as a church today. I, I thought for some time these verses, and we haven't read them all yet. We will in the next couple weeks are very rich verses and would be good for a farewell sermon or farewell sermons. There's a, I've probably mentioned this before, a CRC pastor's Facebook page where we can kind of get advice from other pastors and ask questions. And I threw that out there on um, an idea for what, what have you used for farewell sermons from your congregation. And I was thinking of this already but it came up there a couple times as well. And so I, I went ahead and, and started studying them and what they might say to our congregation. And as I did, the three parts of this mission statement that we have come through quite clearly as Paul reflects about his ministry at this church. And so that's what we're going to zero in on. This is going to help us unpack these verses over the next three Sunday mornings. As far as faith's mission statement goes, when uh, Reverend Lee Koning, who was senior pastor before me, announced his retirement after some 23 years in 2009 of pastoring here at Faith Church, the council put together a transition team. And one of the items among many that they worked on was a new mission statement. And that was then brought to council and approved for our congregation since it so well resonated with what faith historically has been as a church and what we want to continue to stand for and to strive for. You might remember those three parts of the mission statement, those three E's, experiencing God's word, expressing God's love, equipping God's people. We believe as a church that they're important pieces of a healthy and balanced biblical church and really important for a healthy and balanced and biblical lifestyle for each one of us. We're focusing on that first piece today, experience God's word. Paul emphasizes his teaching and his preaching among the Ephesians in these farewell words. Verse 20, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. And then verse 27, the last verse we read, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And of course, proclaim is another word for preach and proclamation. And of course, it's teaching and preaching and proclaiming God's word, as Paul writes in another letter in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And belief and faith, he says in another letter, Romans 10, faith comes through the preaching of God's word. We live in a post-truth era today. False ideas are everywhere. Truth is a rare commodity. It's all about how people feel. What people feel is right or wrong. What they feel about themselves and who they are 
and who, if anything, or what God is, that feeling is truth to them, even though that's such a ridiculous idea to say there is no objective truth and to just live on your feelings. I don't think you're probably much different than me. My feelings change all the time. My feelings go up and down. That's not a steady ground. That, there, there is objective truth. There, there's never been a time when we've needed truth more and God's word is truth. This word is God's. It's perfect, says Psalm 19. This word is proven, says Psalm 18. It's a lamp and a light for living, says Psalm 119. Every other word, however it's communicated through social media, on TV, in print, through radio, through podcasts, every other word that's ever been said or written is human. And that means every other word is imperfect. And the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of this word in our hearts as believers. It testifies to what God's word says about itself, and the Holy Spirit works in our hearts as believers so that we say, yes, I believe that. You want answers for living? They're here. Everything you need for faith and life, the truth about life and God, the truth about others, the truth about the origins and the purpose of the universe, of family, of marriage, of the church, of government, and we learn about the truth of creation and sin and salvation and life and blessing in Jesus and among his family, the church. Hebrews 4 talks about the power of God's word. When God's word is faithfully proclaimed, there is power there for our hearts and our lives and for our souls. And you've probably, if you're a believer and you're truly listening to God's word, you've probably experienced that power of his word before. I have too there's one time that really, really stands out when I was 12 or 13. And I told you about this once before, but I want to share it again because it's such a, a striking time or instance in my life of uh, the power of the proclamation of God's word experienced by me. My dad was a pastor at that time studying for his doctorate in preaching and what we would do while he was studying and not in a church on Sundays we'd visit good churches that he had heard about to learn more about preaching to learn more about congregational ministry to learn more about being a pastor and just to be blessed in his own spiritual life well one Sunday just the two of us my dad and I went to a very conservative reformed church they only sang Genevan Psalms with the organ. But I got to tell you, it was glorious. The power of the organ and the singing. Some of you here know what Genevan Psalm tunes are. And they, that's what we sang that day. And I have many, many times. And those are still my absolute favorite worship songs. What my dad didn't realize is how long the sermons would be. We went to both services. There was one in the morning and then one, I want to say, around 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. Each sermon 
was 55 minutes. Not the worship service, the sermon. 55 minutes. I'm not going to do that today. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not. Afterwards, my dad felt really bad that I had to sit through those lengthy sermons as a young guy. He didn't know what to expect. He'd never been there, and you couldn't go online back in the mid-80s and figure out much about a church ahead of time. And he said something like afterwards, those were long sermons, huh, son? And I responded with this, and it's going to sound unbelievable, but not if you'd know and have experienced yourself the power of God's word. I said they felt like 10 minutes, and they really did. That's how much God's word preached grabbed me and captured me and pulled me in that day and hit my heart. And that's the power of God's word when it's preached faithfully. Like, we want to preach it here at Faith Church. Soundly biblical and relevant, applied to our everyday lives, bringing us to Jesus, touching our hearts. And, and that's why we talk about experiencing God's word. Now, in our verses, Paul doesn't just talk about preaching and, and teaching and proclamation of God's word in general, but he wants us to know what's at the heart of that proclamation and teaching. What's the core of it? What did he preach? Well, he tells us, verse 21, the truth, there's that truth again. He's got the truth in God's word, the truth that people must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then one other element that kind of wraps it all up in verse 24 he emphasizes his task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So, he's preaching that we are sinners, we need to repent of our sin, and that through faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven our sins. The director of a very large British mental hospital once said this, I would be able to dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they would only, if they could only be assured of their forgiveness in life. And people, oh, people need forgiveness, whether they know it or not. And says Paul, testifying in word and deed to the grace of God and to each other and everyone. So this turning to God in repentance for sin, faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin and salvation, and testifying to God's grace. People need grace. Grace in the church's preaching, grace in our conversations with one another, grace in our pastoral care, grace in meetings as we prepare for to do ministry together, grace as we do ministry, as we serve one another, as we serve the least of these, grace too as we interact with people who aren't part of the family of God, grace to people, to the world, because the only thing that is going to save lost sinners is grace. That's what saved you. From your sin, grace, that's what saved me. That's true for everyone. It's the one thing 
You can't find in this world, but you find it in Jesus, you find it in his word, and you find it when God's people testify to that grace. Paul says that this is the Lord's task for him, indicating that it's also the task of the church to testify to the good news of God's grace, to show grace. That focus that that Paul has here on God's word and the heart of it and its impact in our lives, that we have sorrow for our sin against our holy God, that we find salvation and forgiveness through faith in Jesus who died and rose for us, and the grace of God in Jesus that we can receive and extend to others. This is the heart, Paul is saying, of what he brought to this congregation in Ephesus. This is the heart and foundation of every congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ that wants to stand on God's word. This is our focus and it's our foundation here at Faith. And it's been the focus and foundation of my ministry here for these years. With God's help, this is going to be my focus as I serve at First CRC in Wapan 2, where God has called me next. One other thing about Paul's emphasis here is what he says in verse 27. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. In other words, like these other things, I did this. You keep doing this, Ephesians. And you elders I'm talking to, you make sure especially that this keeps happening. Proclaiming the whole will of God. Sometimes the way we talk about that is proclaiming the whole counsel of God. Counsel, will, it's referring to the same thing. There are churches, there are pastors that proclaim and teach the Bible, but they do not proclaim the whole counsel of God. They might have sermons or even a brief sermon series on stuff that they want to say. And then they find scripture verses to match what they want to say already. And there's a place, and we do that too, for important topics that the pastor or the elders feel need to be preached on. But if that type of preaching is the bread and butter of a congregation, a church will be impoverished, unhealthy, weak, because they'll be missing the full counsel of God that's in the Bible, and instead be hearing time and again a pastor's favorite hobby horse passages or his hobby horse doctrines that he likes and is already familiar with. And that's why so many churches and pastors over the centuries and over the years and today value preaching through books of the Bible. And that's what I've done for the most part over the years, as you know. When you preach through a book of the Bible, you get to stuff that a pastor wouldn't normally pick on their own. Otherwise, there's this tendency just to cherry-pick a favorite and comfortable topic for the pastor, comfortable for the pastor, maybe comfortable stuff for the congregation uh, that's not challenging. There's a difference between a pastor knowing what they want to say ahead of time versus what we are called to do, and that is digging into God's word, studying it deeply, preaching the whole will of God, and applying that will of God to today and and to our lives. When, When you do that, as we found over the years, the next verse in a Bible book is amazingly relevant to whatever Sunday 
it's preached on. Since God's word is powerful and it comes to us anew each day and in each age and it intersects with what's going on in the congregation, our culture, our lives, and even the time of year we're living in. We found over the years that preaching the next chapter in a Bible book is much more relevant to the church and a world and the world on a given day than any idea that we could have come up with on our own to preach ahead of time. It's been incredible, the relevance of God's word when we proclaim, as Paul talks about here, the whole will of God, rather than just the parts we already know or kind of like. In the last years, as pastors and elders, we've heard from individuals and households who've joined faith that one of the main reasons they're here is because Faith Church takes the Bible seriously. And, and some of those who shared that shared how they came from a church that maybe didn't do that so much, or over the years did that less and less. And they've talked about what a grave disappointment that was to them. There's appreciation that we desire to keep and preach the truth of God's word, especially in this day and age when Truth is a rare commodity where there are churches that maybe are almost focusing more on entertaining the people or focusing on politics or, or hitting those same hobby horse passages and doctrines. It's been encouraging for us as pastors and elders to hear that from people, that, that they, they see that, that we want to stand on God's word and preach God's word and teach God's word. It's not just from the pulpit sort of thing. This is from through all ages. As Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reflects with and says these final words to the Ephesian church, he wants them to keep experiencing God's word. And I really, really want that for faith church as well as you move forward. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless your word to our hearts and lives uh, today and in this week to come. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand to sing in response to God's word all four verses of the church's one foundation. Let's stand and let's sing.
please stay standing for our benediction and our closing song. Uh, receive this blessing from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Gracious to you, the Lord turned.